You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and today we're going to recap what went right, what actually really didn't go wrong. There was only about one or two things that really went wrong in a 44-14 victory over the likes of South Carolina at home. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single day. You can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, the Odyssey app, YouTube.com. Yep, YouTube every single day right here or check us out at LockedOnPodcast.com. As always, I am Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Cole Thompson. I love public feedback. Anything you can do to make this a more quality sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow-up, give me a shout-out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12 May related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes and listen on Spotify. If you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. I mean, it was a good win. Let's start off with that. Great win, good overall demeanor, great overall team feel from Jimbo Fisher. Really everything you want to see. Yeah, you got it. You basically got it. It was four quarters of complimentary football. This was the one game, I think, when you look back, this was the most complete game. Now, Jimbo Fisher said post game, eh, I don't know if it's probably the most complete game yet, but I will say it is, or let me phrase that. He said it wasn't our best game, but it was our most complete game. I would have to actually agree with that. Now, again, there were some mistakes. We'll get to that in a little bit, but let's talk about the positives. Number one, offensive line stability. I mean, at this point, the offensive line is so stable that I don't worry about Zach Calzada anymore. Do I want Zach Calzada to get better as a passer? Absolutely. Who doesn't? But the fact of the matter is it just took time. It just took a little bit of time for Bryce uh, Bryce Foster to figure it out at center, for Ruben Fathery to step in and play that right tackle role without a problem, for Layden Robinson to continue to develop as a really, really, really good uh, offensive lineman. And then you have uh, you know Kenyon Green, him being able to play anywhere across the offensive line. Jameer Johnson's actually done a very good job the last two games. I think he only has one penalty. I mean, nothing to write home about, but definitely nothing to complain about. And the biggest thing is that you're seeing less pressure on Calzada, you're seeing less uh, less turnovers, and you're seeing more third down progression. This, I think, was the highest game since week one or week two that AM and converted on third down. They had a 54 or 56% success rate on third down. I think the average this entire season was like 41 or 43. It was very low. It was very low compared to what we've seen from AM in the past. And those are things that you look at and then go very pleased and proud of because it's something that is very promising for the future. So you got to appreciate the offensive line play. That was very stable, very strong. I don't think Calzada was sacked for a, uh, for a second straight home game. Uh, he was sacked twice against, yeah, he was sacked twice against Missouri. He was not sacked against Alabama. He was not sacked against South Carolina. Those back-to-back home games where he has not been sacked, that's a big deal. Number two, the run game. I mean, let's just let's just bring it up. The run game. It's fa- it's fa- fantastic. Devon A-Chain, Isaiah Spiller, it doesn't really matter which one you want to go to. Just get the ball in their hands. Literally every single time you get an opportunity, get the ball in their hands. A-Chain led the way with 154 yards. He averaged 7.7 yards per carry. Isaiah Spiller, really good bruiser, 
bulldozed his way, but he had two runs where his agility really did most of the talking. The agility, the ability for him to cut and quickly turn. And what was really impressive, it, it, was, it, was, it was a second down run. And you watch him in open field space. There was a good block by Jalen Preston. And instead of cutting it back in and trying to go up the field, he cuts back out, waits long enough for Preston to get the, uh, to get the closing gap. And then it goes for another 15 yards. It's plays like that that show why, you know, when there's a conversation, who's the best running back in the SEC, Spiller is second to none. Because of his patience behind the line of scrimmage, his patience in the open field, all of that is just so well balanced. It's very hard to contain. And more importantly, it's very hard when you look at to try to stop. And you can't do it behind the line of scrimmage. And in open field, it's just as dangerous. Then you throw in A-Chain, who, again, it's Devon A-Chain. I mean... Every single time this kid touches the ball, I think that he could go for a touchdown. I really do. And I don't think I'm wrong for saying that because every single play, it feels like for a split second, it's moving that direction. It feels like we're trending in that line. We're trending towards that because of every single play. First defender misses, second defender misses, third defender misses. It takes like three or four defenders to get to him before he's finally brought down. That's an impressive feat on the offensive line, but that's really good vision for both of these guys. Back-to-back uh, -back weeks is over 100 rushing yards. This is Spiller's 15th career 100-yard rushing game. That is monumental for AM. I think this is his fifth of the season. He last week finished with a season-high 168 yards. This week, it's 102, but still scored a touchdown. Uh, Cushion is blow. I think he's uh, 781 total yards in the year. Don't quote me on that, but still, it's like number two in their number. It's either number one or number two in the SEC. I know that back to back 100 yard weeks is a really big deal as well. 300, uh, almost 300 yards in the last two games. That's a monumental deal. Same for Devon H. as well. I mean, literally, you flip the lid. You know, one last week was 106, the other one was 168. This week, 154, 102. I mean, it's literally just flip the lid. Number three. Special teams. We got to get up for special teams. Nick Constantino did not punt until the end of the third quarter. And that was when I think at that point, it was Zach Calzada's either last drive or it was Blake Bose's first drive. So either way, he came in at the very end of the game. And on top of that, had four, uh, three punts, all over 45 plus yards in the year. Uh, all had great hang time. And then let's talk about the other one. The punt return, return for a touchdown by Anaya Smith. The last few weeks, we've been seeing special teams really, really come close. Smith has been there like twice inside the five from returning it from like his 15 or not. And both of them were called back for blocking the back calls, for a holding call, for something negated, a very stupid play. And slowly but surely, it just was going to take some time. It's just going to take a week. It's going to take a little bit of a momentum. We just need one day to figure it out. And guess what happened? It took one day and great block, great execution. Really good job by the right side of the line. They basically cleared a running lane. There was like two Gamecocks who were on the left-hand side. At that point, it was a foot race, and it was about who is more who is a more skilled player. That point, it was very simple. Anaya Smith is one of the most skilled players in, I think, all of college football. I do think that right now he is playing at an elite level, the way that he's been able to get balls and the way that he's been able to make as many plays as possible with his legs, with his route running, with his special team skills. He's dangerous. He is a dangerous MO. He is a dangerous guy. I, I will have no doubt about saying that. So when I look at what a guy like uh, what Spiller brought, he really set the tone for, I would say, most of that game. So that's a really big, big deal.
This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Price Picks. All right, any one of you who are in love with fantasy football, I got a deal for you. Price Picks is fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. It's the leader in college sports daily fantasy. Price Picks offers more than college football props for anyone in this offer that wants star players from Power Five schools or mid-major programs. Price Picks offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns to interceptions, and you can pick up to five players with the over/under projections and win up to ten times your amount of money. Plus Plus, all users that deposit your first uh, deal will make up to $100 back and 100% of a deposit match using the promo code Locked On. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, and PricePix is very quick to be able to go ahead and find what you were looking for to get the deposit right back to you. So play fast, get your money fast, start listening today. Use the promo code Locked On at PricePix.com to double your earnings in one quick setting. That's PricePix. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single day. You can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, the Locked on Podcast Network.com. Whenever you get your podcast listening systems, go ahead and give us a listen. So let's talk about the negatives. Uh, okay, let's start off with the first one. Calzada still is inconsistent. I think that, again, that Alabama game is going to go down in history as one of the greatest moments in college football history. And I definitely know it's going to go down in the record books as one of the greatest moments in AM history. But we're still seeing those same similar problems. Uh, the interception, really badly thrown ball. Really badly thrown ball. Uh, another one. And, uh, well, you know, I'll go back to that one real fast. Not only was it just completely you were looking at one target the entire time and then you forced the football. If you're going to force it, force it away from the cornerback. So the, so the rule is, the way that I always look at it, if you're going to try to force it, make sure the receiver knows I'm going in if the cornerback is in. I'm going out if the cornerback if the quarterback's outside, you want to go to the inside shoulder. If the quarterback's outside, you want to go to the uh, – if the quarterback's inside, you want to go to the outside shoulder. You never want to go ahead and deliver it straight on or, or, or too close to the cornerback because all a quarterback has to do at that point, they don't have to be grabby. They don't have to be physical. They just got to jump in front of the route, and that's exactly what happened on the play. He tried to target Anaya Smith. Smith was getting blanketed by – I forget the uh, the safety's name, and it literally – he went to the outside, you know, so the, so the safety. Pretend that this is Smith. Here is uh here was here was the safety on the outside. He tried to throw it right here to the uh yeah right right here to the outside shoulder for Smith to go get it. Nope, and then boop, got it. There you go. Another play that was really bad, and this is something that you know I think takes time. This is something that I you know I I think at this point you should know. But there was a first read. It was in the third quarter. Game was over. I mean I mean like like it was out of reach. It was. I want to say it was 41 at that point. Maybe it was less. I, I, I'm like, maybe it was 44 at that point. But Damon Demas runs an absolute beautiful deep post pattern all the way to the end zone, then kind of slowly drags himself to the back corner. You have a really good route by Chase Lane going in the opposite direction. You have Jalen Weidemeyer kind of doing a quick little button hook. And then you have a zag route. Uh, so a zag route, what switch? Uh, so you go up and then in, and then you're trying to cut to the outside shoulder. Going over the zag route from an I.S. Smith. In a quarterback's progression, you go one, two, three, one, two, get it out. You got to go through your progressions. First read, second read, third read. But you don't do this. One, 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 and then just go ahead and look that way. Because if that was a play where Demas was wide open. Like, the speed of Demas is amazing. And everyone's waiting for this kid to show why he could be a generational player at the wide receiver position. But 
The only way that that works is if a quarterback targets you. Because if, again, there was one play, and this was a really, really great design play by Daryl Taking a really good design play by Jimbo Fisher, where it was a man coverage situation, and it was a uh, it was a it was a press man coverage situation. So cornerbacks playing low uh, in in a cover four set, going straight back, and Demas just wins off the line of scrimmage, straight vertical pattern, just quick slant, and then fly up the middle. Guess what? If that ball is hitting stride, that's a forty nine yard touchdown pass. Instead, it's a gain of thirty three or thirty four for Demas. Really nice catch by the wide receiver. Going, he has to turn his body to get to the backside shoulder. Uh, but again, it's one of those plays that's infuriating because you see what Calzada can do. I mean, like we've all seen it at this point. And more importantly, we've seen him be able to beat the best of the best of the best. And you're going into a two-game stretch after this to where you need to be playing your most significant football. I think at LSU, you'll be fine. Even if if Calzada has a performance like this, I think I think you'll beat LSU with ease. Uh, you'll definitely beat Prairie View A&M like this. But you have to be able to go and finish the season strong with two more wins over Auburn and Ole Miss. That's the big key. Performances like that won't get it done. They, they, they 100% just won't get it done against those two programs. So you have to go ahead and make sure you make those right throws. The other one, and this is the other big deal, and again, I'm nitpicking on this, but defensively, the entire second team unit is very much showing why they're the second team unit. You have Tyreek Chappelle, who got to stay out with the second team because of he needs the reps. You have Deuce Harmon, who played a little bit of nickel. He also played a little bit of dime. I think he played a little bit of outside cornerback as well at some point. He came in, and he finished out the game as the second team defender. Both of them got an interception on um, uh, Brad Davis, I want to say. Or is it Jordan Davis? The, the, the South Carolina back. Uh, Jason Brown. There we go. Jason Brown. I can't believe I completely got that one wrong. Uh, they got two interceptions on them. Uh, Chappelle's was a really good play. Chappelle's was a really good read and react. Uh, nice, nice way to you know stay through, stay through the motion. Go ahead and get that pick. Uh, really good job reading the quarterback's eyes. Really good job of beating the uh, beating the wide receiver. Harmon's was just a really awesome play. I mean, Har like Harmon's should not have happened. Uh, he just got his foot in bounds. The ball was kind of leaning off of the South Carolina receiver. He kind of just grabs it as he's going out. Uh, turnover. I mean, I'll take that. I think Deuce will take that as well. You know, these are two young players you want to see, but they got two touchdowns. I mean, like that, that's the reality of it. It was 44 to nothing, and they got two touchdowns. They got two late scores, which then, unfortunately, cost AM an opportunity of having a shutout. And you don't want to see that, not because of, you know, there's nothing about the, the shutout. You know, shutouts happen all the time. But it's more so the fact of it's an SEC shutout. And this is a team that was having all the momentum underneath Zeb Nolan. This is a team that was having all the momentum after beating Vanderbilt. There's a lot that you like in, you know, in what South Carolina was doing at the time. To be able to get that shutout is a very big statement. And again, this is one of these quote-unquote rivalries that you had to add because if they need to be one in the SEC East and one in the SEC West every year, you kind of got stuck, kind of like Arkansas gets stuck every year with Arkansas. You kind of got stuck with South Carolina because what else were you going to do? You had to add to. I, I guarantee you that will change very soon to where you're not playing South Carolina every year for the bottom cup. But either way, that's not, that's not really the point of the story. The moral of this is, is that defensively, they allowed 11 yards of offense going into the third quarter. They finished with 178 on three drives. They basically got every single one of their yards on three drives against a second team unit. And Jimbo Fisher is not wrong for bringing this up. You're a play away. You really are a play away from being a starter in an SEC conference. You're a play away from being an SEC starter on a first team defense. 
vying not only to stay alive in the SEC West race to potentially win the division and represent them in Atlanta in the SEC championship, but the way that college football is looking right now, um, look at the college football playoff situation. Look at the way the college football playoff is going. When you look at all that, A&M still is very much in the race, in my opinion. Even with two losses, they're very much still in the race because of there's so many teams that are going to just eat each other alive in the next few weeks. So when a defender allows a second team poor offense, a very poor offense, completely run all over them, that's a problem. I mean, like that, that, that unfortunately is a problem that A&M has got to fix. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar you'll ever had. If you haven't had Built Bar by now, you are missing out because of it's exactly what a protein does, but it doesn't taste like one. They're covered in 100% real chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. They're low carb, low calorie, low sugar, low uh, high in protein, high in fiber. Great for anybody on the keto diet. I take one every single morning. They have so many unique flavors. So whether you love raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, cherry barcia, and more, don't you worry. You can also get the variety pack if you don't know what you're exactly looking for. Go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your very first purchase. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Stop eating the salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. All right, let's go ahead and give my stars of the game this week. Let's go ahead. I'm going to go with three, so we'll go with that. Uh, number three, Anaya Smith. He has been waiting for this moment. Like, he has been absolutely waiting for this moment to finally arise to where he's been able to show off his speed as a special teamer. The fact is that he's had two good returns, and they just got called back. So he really could have two punt return touchdowns at this point in the season, if not for a hold. And if not, he would have over, I believe it would be, if not 300, very close to 300 punt return yards on three plays because the other one brought him down inside the five. I think they got him down at the three-yard line. That was called back, unfortunately. So for him to be able to finally get the momentum to go get this play is a very, very, very big deal because if you're starting to see Texas A&M win defensively, they're doing enough offensively, and then they're crushing special teams. To be a very good team, you have to win two. To be a great team, you have to be great at all three. They're good on offense, not great on offense. They're getting stellar defensively, and they're starting to look great on special teams. That is due to what Anaya Smith, Agent Zero, does play-by-play on punt returns. Number two, Tyree Johnson. I do not know the next time we're going to see Tyree. You know, he did suffer a leg injury. He left early, but this is very similar to what you saw from Michael Clemens last year. Remember when Michael was absolutely just destroying teams left and right, sack after sack after sack after sack? Well, that's exactly what Johnson's doing. Two big sacks over Zeb Noland. He was able to also get four pressures on the day. I think he also had three tackles for losses. Guy was in the backfield more than anyone else out there. Uh, literally could have, you know, played a seat and, and paid rent to be sitting in that backfield and that uh, in, in against South Carolina's running backs. I mean, that's how talented and how quick he was getting in there. He was collecting his rent money very, very quickly. I hope that he will be back soon. I hope that he won't miss a lot of time. Jimbo said that, you know, they did an MRI. They think that it's going to be okay. He may miss Auburn, uh, but if he's back for at least LSU, Ole Miss, and Prairie View, I mean, by all means, you know, if you got to miss one game, this will be a very good spot for the younger players to start to see what they're made of in the pass rush. And also, you could probably see what you got in the defensive line by moving to Marvin Lee out to the outside. So I like that idea as well. But number one, and this is a very easy one, it's got to be Jalen Weidemeyer. 
Weidemeyer now is the all-time leader in receiving yards for a tight end in AM program history, surpassing Martellus Bennett, who did that for three years during his time in 2005 through 2007, I believe it was, the three years that he was at Texas A&M. Really good game. Two big-time catches for touchdown passes. I think he finished with four catches and 83 yards overall. Really good job on the screenplay. Like, like that screenplay that he got off was absolutely beautiful because of it showed his agility, it showed his speed, and it showed his physicality. We already knew that he was a physical, mean son of a gun and had good hands, but you want to be able to see that speed, you want to be able to see that agility. Basically, he outran all defenders until the very end. He bulldozed over a cornerback and dove in for the 25-yard touchdown. That was a really, really great design run, uh, but it was a really, really good block up front from Bryce Foster. To see him move like that, that is awesome because if you know that not only does he have heart, but he's also got a lot of speed. He was coming out like mm, through a tin horn like that kind of fast. And the other thing that really makes this a special day is that his brother Tyrese, who's in the Navy, yep, his brother Tyrese, in the Navy, they haven't seen each other in seven months, got to be at the game where his brother made AM history. So not only was Tyrese, a military man, able to come back to the Lone Star State, he was able to watch his brother enter AM's history books. For that alone, I feel like that's just the biggest winner of all. And I think everyone can be very excited for number 85. Really good last two games. Really good last three games if we're including Alabama. He's had he's been on a very quick tear in recent days. And that's that's a very good sign in the last four games. Mississippi State he had a pretty decent game. AM did it, but he had a pretty decent game. Uh Alabama, he had a very stellar game. Oh, Missouri, I know it was quiet, but when he when he got his hands on the ball, he made noise, and then this was probably his best game of the year. That's going to do it for this edition of Lockdown Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media, at Mr. Cole Thompson, name right down there below, and at Lockdown Aggies. On tomorrow's show, where would I put Texas A&M right now in the SEC rankings? Are they top five? Are they top three? Are they not in the top five because of how successful the top-heavy teams have been? Let's go ahead and break that down all day tomorrow. See you then, and remember... Give me all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.